Our scripture today is taken from, I don't have it in front of me, but I remember it. <laughs> the New Testament, Luke 6, uh, verses 46 to 49. And I'd like to share that with you today. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not know what I tell you? I will show you what someone else is like who comes to me, hears my words, and acts on them. That one is like a man building a house who dug deeply and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood arose, the river burst against that house, but could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not act is like a man who builds a house on the ground without a foundation. When the river burst against, against it, immediately it fell, and great was the ruin of that house. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Bonnie. When it was time to sell my first house, I needed to do so quickly. I had five weeks between the day my move was announced and the day I was supposed to start in my new church. I had lived in the house for six years, and I was well aware that many cracks had appeared on or near the ceilings in that time, but the house was built in 1959, so I thought, no big deal, old houses settle. I thought that every time I repaired and painted one of the cracks. So when it was time to move, I put the house on the market and I got an offer in about two weeks, which in today's housing market in Papillion, which is red hot right now, that would mean there was something terribly wrong with my house if I got one offer in two weeks. But this was back in 2012 in Wichita, we were just coming out of the Great Recession and one offer in two weeks was not too bad. The offer was fine, the buyer seemed motivated, everything was on track, and then the inspector came. And after a few hours, the inspector came back with the bad news that all those cracks I had seen around or near the ceilings and covered up, they were happening because there was a corner of the house that was sinking. There was a problem with the foundation. A few dry summers in a row had meant the sandy soil had shifted around my house and caused a problem at the very base of it, and the house would have to be repaired in order to be sellable. My realtor got a bid. $5,000 it was going to cost. And that was a significant chunk of the profit I looked to make from this very small first house that I had. But a poor foundation is a serious problem. It has to be addressed. And so I did what you do when you're trying to sell a house fast. I lowered the purchase price by $5,000 and said, good luck to the buyer. Thankfully, she was willing to go through with the deal. There is never a good time to find out that your house has a problem with the foundation, but there are better and worse times. The moment you're trying to sell your house is on the list of worst times to find out, but it's not the very worst time. The very worst time to find out that your house has a bad foundation is the moment that Jesus describes in our scripture for today. The worst time to find out that your house has a weak foundation is when you're in the middle of a storm when the river bursts, when the floods rise, when the winds come, when the pressure is greatest, when the danger is real, when the stakes are the highest, that's the moment you only wanna hear that your foundation is a rock solid thing. 
Today we're finishing up this section of teaching in the Gospel of Luke that we often call the Sermon on the Plain. And we've called this series The Good Life for these weeks of Lent because it's full of Jesus' instruction about how to live life close to the kingdom of God. If you want to know what Jesus thinks human life should look like, what he suggests as a God-honoring and disciple-showing way to live, this chapter in Luke is a very good place to start. And as we've read through it over the weeks, we've seen that its behaviors are not the easiest set of things to put in practice, which for me actually ties it back to the current motto of the Tourism Board of Nebraska, which we considered on our first week of this series. We have the good life, right, that is on our highway signs that welcomes travelers uh, into this great state of Nebraska. But the official tourism motto, you will remember, of the state is currently visit Nebraska, Honestly, it's not for everyone. <laughs> now, Jesus could have said the same thing about his Sermon on the Plain. Honestly, this life of following Jesus, it's not going to be for everyone. I mean, there are plenty of people that are going to hear his teachings, hear him say things like, someone hits you, offer the other cheek, or don't judge or woe to the rich, or love your enemies. People are going to hear him say things like that, and they're going to decide, you know, there's an easier way for me to live. There's a way that I can get instant gratification, and, and I don't have to give all this compassion to other people, and, and I think I'll just enjoy things for myself and my family and turn away from Jesus' teaching. And the people who decide that are going to be like people who build a house fast and cheap, focusing on how it looks and not on how well it's built. You know, they, they might put extra care into the furniture and the light fixtures and the paint colors, all these flashy things that we see on the outside, but their house will be resting on a foundation that's the easiest and quickest to build, and it will not stand the test of time. By contrast, the people who hear the teachings of Jesus and lean into them, people who earnestly seek to live in the way he's describing, people who pray regularly for the wisdom, the maturity, the strength from God to follow this way of life, those are the people who build a house resting on the deepest foundation, a house anchored in solid rock, a house that cannot be tumbled by the biggest storm. So which kind of builder do you want to be? Which kind of builder do you want to be? I want you to consider that question and listen to this story from Fred Craddock, one of my favorite preacher storytellers. He said, some years ago, some of us who were ministers, pastors, teachers, and seminaries were asked to form a group and before a large body of students and lay people to say who was the most influential person apart from our parents in the formation of our lives and movement to ministry. We had two or three weeks notice, but it was a difficult matter for me, he said. When my turn finally came, I stood up and I gave them a name they had never heard of, Miss Emma Sloan. Well, Fred grew up in the South, of course, and he said as children, we called all women Miss. Miss Emma Sloan was an elderly woman, single, she taught me in the primary department, Sunday school, and since there was nobody to teach us as juniors, she went right on with us and taught us for years. 
She gave me a Bible, he said. She wrote in the front, may this be a light to your feet and a lamp for your path, Emma Sloan. She taught us to memorize the Bible. She never tried to interpret it. I don't remember her ever explaining anything. She said, just put it in your heart. Just put it in your heart. She used the alphabet, he explained, and we go around the room saying verses. A, a soft answer turns away wrath. B, be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving, as God in Christ has also forgiven you. C, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. D, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. E, every good and perfect gift. F, for God so loved the world. He said, I still remember all that. She didn't explain it. We learned from the King James Bible all those verses. I had to say to those students and church folk that Sunday afternoon, I can't think of anything, anything at all in my life that has made such a radical difference as those verses. The Spirit of God brings them to my mind appropriately time and time and time again. Foundational words. Which kind of builder do you want to be? I remember sitting at her bedside, this old saint of the church. I sat there in the early afternoon light, soaking in the quiet, the still of the room. The family had gone, at least for the moment, taking a break from the vigil they had been holding at her bedside. They'd been sitting, as many of you have done, waiting and waiting, watching her slip toward death. It always takes its own time, dying something that can't be rushed. I sat by her bed and I held her hand and, and we talked a bit, sat in silence some. I asked, are you afraid of what's coming? No, she said. She shook her head, no, not at all. Would you like me to read some scripture? I asked as I pulled the pocket Bible out from my bag. If you want, she said. What should I read? What, what would you like to hear? What verse do you know? Oh, I don't know, honey, she said. Read whatever you want. I can't remember a thing. I'd like to hear the 23rd Psalm, I said. I found the page and began to read slowly, quietly. And then I looked up and I saw her mouthing along to every word. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Foundational words. Which kind of builder do you want to be? From the looks of it, everything had fallen into place perfectly, which was a relief for all of us, considering how intensely the bride and her mother had worried over every single detail. But nothing had been forgotten. Every flower was in place, each candle brightly lit, each person perfectly dressed, the church just glowing with the beauty of the day. 
And they stood there before me, this bride and this groom, barely adults, but about to make the biggest commitment of their lives. They were just moments away from taking their vows, promises that they made with earnest hearts, but without any clue at all what it would take to actually live those vows out in the real world from day to day. They stood there before me, and I opened the Bible, and I turned to the passage that they had chosen for this moment, and as naive as they were in that moment, there was still so much reason to hope. Because as the words of the Apostle Paul sounded through the church, I I looked up and I saw them kind of draw closer to one another, and their eyes were shining. And for everything they didn't know, they recognized the truth of these words. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing, but it rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Foundational words. Which kind of builder do you want to be? I was sitting in the basement of First Mennonite Church watching the director up there talking, like I did every Sunday night that summer. We sat cross-legged on the floor, 70 high school students, their sponsors, us college summer staff, sitting there listening, shifting, shuffling, sighing, all wondering what the week of service that was ahead of us would hold. He was standing up there like he did every Sunday night, trying to get everyone ready for the week. And in a way, there was nothing he could say to prepare us, prepare them for five days of encountering and working with the poorest people in Denver. They were going to meet people unlike most of them had ever met before. They were going to be up close and personal with the homeless, the hungry, the abused, the forgotten. There was no way to tell him in just one speech all the wonderful and hard and crazy things that the week ahead might hold. But he always tried. He tried to say something that would keep them alert and open and safe. He tried to say something that would keep them compassionate and respectful. He tried to say something that would keep their eyes open to the smallest act of kindness. And he always told them, he always told them that they had to keep their lunch bags. That was the rule. One brown paper bag per student per week, no exceptions. It was a small thing to keep your lunch bag. But he said, we did it because we throw too much away that's still useful, still has life to give. We just, we throw too much away. We throw too many people away that still have life to give. And the brown paper bag was to help us remember that. And then he would open up the Bible and he would read, whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of the disciple, truly I tell you, none of them will lose their reward. Foundational words. Which kind of builder do you want to be?
I once went to a retreat at a convent and we were invited to worship with the sisters for their daily prayers. And they gathered five times a day to worship as is the habit in places like that. And at each service, they recited at least one psalm. They sang it antiphonally, actually. The nuns divided into two groups across the chancel, taking turns chanting the words of the psalm back and forth to each other. And later, someone explained to us visitors that because they prayed the psalms five times a day, they went through the entire Psalter multiple times in a year meaning that after a few years of living in the convent, they all had large portions of the psalms memorized. And I was enchanted. I mean, I have a lot of verses of hymns in the United Methodist hymnal memorized. I bet many of you do too. But that's something. That's not nothing. (laughs) But it's not quite the same as having all the words of Scripture deeply embedded in your heart. I've often thought in the years since that, you know, I could copy the nuns, I could set out on my own project of reading and rereading and rereading the Psalms, but somehow in all those years since that retreat, I've never done it. There's always something else to do with my time. I don't have any idea how often you read the Bible, how closely you know the teachings of Jesus, the Word of God. I do know that each one of us could study it more. I don't have any idea how deeply the words and the phrases of scripture sound in your heart and your mind, but I do know that each one of us could hear them more. I actually, I don't know what you've built your life upon, but I do know what counts as solid rock. Jesus' invitation to us to salvation, it's at once instant and it's lifelong. When we open our hearts up to God's grace, it only takes a moment for us to receive all the mercy and the hope that we need. As we say yes to God, we are saved. And then God asks us to begin this lifetime journey. God asks us to build our lives on a new foundation, the foundation of Jesus, and God promises that that will support us through whatever trouble or heartache or storm that life can bring. Which kind of builder do you want to be? Amen.